Hey everybody, welcome to Bernie's Apple Box Podcast. I'm Bernie, and I am here with Walter Biscardi. Walter, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing amazing. How are you, sir? I am am amazing now that you're here. I will tell you that because (laughs) you are somebody I've wanted to talk to for so long, and I know you have a wealth of information that I am just dying to tap into. So I am very excited. I don't know about wealth. I got something. I got something to share. I don't know. Well, we're going to get it out of you, buddy, one way or another. So um, listen, I'm very excited. You ready for this? All right, let's do it. All right, let's do this. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Bernie's Apple Box. Two o'clock on Friday. Got to be here. And um, I hope everybody's having a great week. I know I, I've been having a very good week. And uh, and and just coming back, I feel, you know, I know we're in a terrible situation with COVID right now. But um, honestly, I just say everybody really hunker down there. Take care of yourself. Don't do anything dangerous. And just really try to... Um, you know, ride this thing out if you're healthy. That's what I'm trying to do. And I know everybody else is. Listen, we have somebody today that is probably, I I would have to say the most knowledgeable person I have ever had on the show. (laughs) He's he's holding his head now. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet, Walter. Okay. Um, uh, but, but Walter is somebody who's been in the scene for, you know, 25, 30 years, not just as a practitioner, but as a leader too. And he's, he's been putting his thoughts out there, guiding people. And really, as far as I'm concerned, this guy is living the future right now, because as from what I've seen, everything that he is doing right now is the way that it's going to go from here out. And I don't mean he's got everything figured out, but what I'm saying is he has got the formula down and it's a formula that he's just not trying. It comes from 30 years of practice. And that's why to me, it's so exciting with that. I would (laughs) like to introduce Walter Bacardi. Bacardi. Did I say you Bacardi? almost got it. Oh, I, got oh I'm so Biscardi. sorry. Yeah. Biscardi. Biscardi. That's you okay, should have never. Because you were just you... describing Walter Bacardi. That, that's not me. Whoever you just described in that lead in. Walter, not me. that is you. That is you. That is you. You should have never told me Bacardi. You should have never told me Bacardi before. Yeah, I, yeah, I told you. That's what I, yeah. I wish. And, you know, if it was, I would have rum in this glass right now. There but, you go. Oh, yeah. you wouldn't be talking to me. You no, wouldn't be talking no. to me. I'd be on a beach somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> no, welcome, well, well, my friend. I, I really, really appreciate your time. I so, I've got to just tell you this. I'm a big fan. I so admire what you're doing. And even in just our pre-conversation here for the last few minutes, You've already blown me away. So, um, um, I, I'm going to, what I would like to do, Walter is just have you give a quick, you know, whatever time you want to take with it, quick narrative, how you got in the business, where you started out, give me some progression in that and let us know where we're at right now. And then we're going to, we're going to dig deep. Uh, well, I literally got into the uh, business by accident because uh, in high school, I learned how to run printing presses. And in college, that's where I was going. And then I got into a horrific car accident and I couldn't go back to work for a year. And my college had a radio and TV course, Dutchess Community College in Poughkeepsie, New York. And that's literally how my path even got started. Ended up going up to Syracuse, ended up getting hired by CNN right before the Gulf War. And uh, spent 1990 to 95 there. Um, I became a prolific uh, uh, unscripted editor thanks to two editors that I'm still friends with today. Pedro Perrazzo's out in Oregon and Karen Nolan still in the Atlanta area. Those two taught me that the script was just the first pass. 
but then you've got to look at the material and see what the story really, really is. Um, so to this day, I still carry forward lessons that I learned back in the early 90s. Um, wow. After that, I actually went to work for Foxwoods Resort Casino. So five years out of college, um, they handed me three and a half million dollars and said, build us a production facility to start telling stories and marketing for our company. This was back in 1995. Um, wow. So I did that. I ran that department for a couple of years, had uh, very successful marketing campaigns that I had created up there, and then uh, moved back to Atlanta and uh, actually started my own company for a while. I had Biscardi Creative Media for almost 20 years, uh, a lot of corporate work, uh, broadcast work. I got very fortunate. Um, you know, I started participating in the Creative Cow around, I don't know, 99, 98, and um uh, got hooked up with a gentleman who turned out to be the director of photography of Good Eats with Alton Brown. Mm. And a couple of weeks later, I'm in the studio meeting with Alton, showing him some really weird animations that I had done. One thing led to another, and he's like, I've always loved Terry Gilliam, Monty Python. Can you create that? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Why not? And that started wow. four seasons of working with Alton Brown, which is still to this day the best gig ever. Ever. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah, That's so it was. awesome. And I'm still friends with a lot of the guys on on the group. Um, but yeah, you know, so I, I ran that company for almost 20 years, did a lot of great work, built uh, a beautiful facility. I learned, uh, hey, I can build a studio. And uh, I was doing, you know, pretty much your typical broadcast. I was in that mindset, you know, like what we were talking about before the show of client needs a video, I'll create a video. I wasn't in the mindset of you know, creating a marketing campaign or creating, you know, a body of work versus one thing. And uh, I decided to sell my building, got out of that and went to work for Georgia Pacific. I was their first creative director for about a year and a half. I helped them develop a, a storytelling mindset, storytelling narrative, going, taking, you know, that unscripted documentary reality, docu uh, reality kind of mindset the storytelling and starting to figure out that, oh, we should create a body of work versus just one thing. Um, did that for about a year and a half. Then I got a great offer down in Florida to build something brand new for a gentleman who was leaning heavily into LinkedIn. And he really loved, he wanted to do Anthony Bourdain. And I said, oh yeah, I'm all over that. I could do Anthony Bourdain. And uh, helped him develop a, a wonderful uh, digital agency down there. Then I came back up to Atlanta for a little while, worked for an ice cream company, really had a lot of fun developing storytelling for them. And then most recently, I moved here to Texas uh, like five months ago, and I've already built up a creative agency of uh, 10 or 12 people. And we have launched a whole creative marketing strategy built around series and episodes and all social touch points, all working together to build up a body of work to use that storytelling narrative style that we all know so well to basically do marketing and, and sales. That's the cliff notes. That's the real well, big and no, that's, throughout I all mean, of that, creative cow was a huge part of what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was creative cow as, as I remember, it was like almost the first social media, you know, that was really oh. sort of the first back and forth where you had a lot of, give and yeah. take and, 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 and did that. I did not participate at that time as much as I wished yeah. I would have. But, um, uh, I, I know that really brought a lot of people together that had not been yeah. together before. And it created amazing friendships that I have to this day. I mean, Jesse Averna, who was with Sesame street at the time, then he went to Disney. Now he's, I think with DreamWorks, uh, Shane Ross is an editor, Alan Bell. There's so many people, uh, Eric Addison. There's so many people that it became, uh, you know, NAB became like a family reunion because we all got to know each other on the cow and then we would all see each other at NAB. And yeah. I have friends all over the globe, thanks to the cow. Uh, and that really got me out there. I was just trying to help people. Uh, I just yeah. love sharing information. And I think if you look at my stats, I think I still have 27,000 posts. I haven't been on there in, in, in a while. But uh, that also led to me being becoming a LinkedIn uh, a learning author as well at one mm -hmm. point. And I mm -hmm. have my own blogs. And I try to share as much as I can. Jeez. 
Why don't you try to get busy once in a while, Walter? Come on. I, you know, I, mean, I, I try. <laughs> I started my own YouTube channel, which I don't even have enough time to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, time is the, is the killer of all. You know, I'd like to go back to something you just said, though, in your introduction. Mm-hmm. The people, the editors at CNN who told you about storytelling and, and that. Yeah. Tell you yeah. because that obviously had a dramatic effect on you and your career. Huge, huge. Give totally me my career. Give me some of the things that come to mind even today when you're dealing with a story. What are some of the things that the tips they gave you that that you're still using today? Well, you know, first and foremost, have you looked at everything? You know. Yeah, you know, when you're out there filming, if, if you happen to be on the set when you're out there filming, you hear all these wonderful moments and you remember these moments and you've got all that keyed in. I've got my pad. I got all my moments written in. I'm going to go in. I'm going to start editing and I'm going to edit this whole story. But did you actually go back and watch the rest of the footage? Because something else might have happened and moments may have happened. Alternative storylines may have happened because, you know, camera three was over here shooting some stuff. And something was happening over here, but I wasn't watching that at all. I'm watching the main story, and I'm watching all of this. And I didn't notice that there's a wonderful moment happening behind me, and I just ignored it. So, see, when I when I started editing, it was a show called Network Earth, uh, and Taya Ryan was the executive producer, who actually now is the president of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Great boss. I hated her. I loved her. I hated her. I loved her. Awesome boss. So, um, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, um, you know. It, it was just one of those things where when I got there, I just read the script. What's the script say? Left column, right column. That's all I got to do. That's all. I, I'm not even going to look because the producer did it for me. Right. But then, you know, Karen and Pedro said, look, you've got to, you know, slow down. Take a look at what you have. You still got to meet your deadline, but you've got time to look at some of this other stuff and see, what, is there something that maybe the producer missed because they were in the moment and they went in to shoot a specific story and that's all they saw. But within that story, there can be other threads that take us on little detours, or maybe there's something that adds a, a, a different twist or maybe a little more drama to the story you're trying to tell. But the producer didn't realize it was there because maybe they went to get lunch while the crew kept, you know, the camera guy kept shooting and he never bothered to look at that stuff because he's only keying in on what he saw when he was there. So mm-hmm. the editor's job is to make sure that you tell the entire story and the best story, not just a story that they think is there, because very often there is something else in the footage that people may not even, maybe the cameramen are probably the only ones that know it was there. And a lot of times it's good just to say, hey, what did you see? You know, reach out to the camera guy. So was mm-hmm. there something else? So that, that was the big thing that Karen and Pedro taught me that I push to this day. And it's amazing how many times, especially with younger editors, you know, I'll say, are you sure there's not something else there? Well, there's this other crap, you know, this other whatever. Well, let's go take a look. And all of a sudden, there's like two or three little hits of something that now we can bring a little life to a piece that was a little bit dead right here. Now we can liven up that. Or, you know what, let's throw this away. Let's bring this in instead because that that allows this to then connect to that. You know, you just have to stop yeah. and look everything. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is... Good. So just take the time. Take just the time. Just take the time and do it. And do it. Don't yeah. be in such Look a at rush. It. Yeah. Don't tell don't yeah. automatically tell me there's nothing there. Well, there might be yeah. something there. Yeah. And something that you're like, well, that's just stupid. And the camera went, you know, cockeyed. Well, take the audio and put the audio with something else. You know, there's still some good yeah. audio there. Yeah. 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 Now, now when you're this is something just off the top of my head right now, but <laughs> this, this, which most of the show is, by the way. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, um, I really um, don't know anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> when you're looking for people, and I imagine you have a a file of, of people that you like, you like to work with, you've worked with before, you know that. Give me an idea how, because Editing has always been voodoo black magic to me. I'm I'm a lighting guy, <laughs> right? You know, I, I dig the ditch. That's all I do. You know what I mean? There's somebody else builds the house, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, um 
and, and I've heard so many different stories. When you're looking at somebody to hire, mm. what cues do you take from them that tell you they get it or they don't get it, or maybe they'll get it if they have a chance to get it? Man. Well, first of all, let me just say, you don't just dig a ditch because lighting is so important. And I have learned that as the cameras, I think as the cameras have gotten smaller and more powerful, lighting has actually played a greater role in what we do today, whether that's natural lighting, bounce lighting or whatever. So I never mm -hmm. take lighting for granted. Let me say that Thank first. You. Thank you. Very nice. Um, it, it, you know, I guess because I've hired people for so long, um, it depends on whether I'm hiring a single person for a task or in most cases I'm hiring a team, whether that's a small team or a large team like what I just built here in Texas. If I'm building a team, the first thing, well, the second thing I look at, first thing I look at is the skill, you know, depending on the role it is. And I don't need to see. I don't need to see like the world best if I'm looking for a, a videographer. I'm not looking for like, oh my God, this guy shot a movie and did it. The guy I ended up hiring as our second videographer in Texas, for example, um, he had this wonderful home movie that he had done where he went on a road trip and he filmed it so beautifully. And it, it looked like the kind of stuff that we wanted to shoot, right? Um, and then after talking to him, so when I'm bringing together a team, it's the fit. Do I feel like the people are going to fit together? Mm. Because I will take somebody with less skill but that has that mentality that's going to fit mesh better with the team. Mm -hmm. And in my teams, you, you can't take your titles so seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you might be a director of photography. You might be senior editor. You might be producer. You might, you know, you know whatever it is. Because we're all going to end up doing everything. Right. And if the need calls for it, and the best idea wins. Mm -hmm. So if the need calls for it, and I've got a person right out of college who says, hey, you know what? I think you should put the camera like over around here and explain it. And okay, yeah, let's go put the camera over there. Let's just see what happens. It's like, okay, this person's right out of college. I've got a director of photography, but uh, hey, that's not a bad idea. Let's try it. Or yeah. when you're sitting with the senior editor, you know, <laughs> the young person makes an idea. Well, let's try it. So I'm always looking for people who can take criticism well, mm -hmm. you know, because 75% of our job is being criticized and being told why we did everything wrong, <laughs> right? Right. No, absolutely. Uh, if we get it right 25% of the time, we're doing good. Um, <laughs> so so you got to be able to take criticism and yeah. know that the criticism is never directed at you. It's always directed at whatever the thing is. Uh, and then then you've got to mesh well. And, and I love, you know, we talked about this earlier. I love blending uh, senior people with the young, with the next generation. Because I think the next generation doesn't know enough yet to say, well, why don't we do this? And like, I, I, because I've been doing this for 30 years, I would never suggest that thing. But because you don't know any better, you say, you know what, why, what if we went this way? Mm -hmm. And so you take that, that new idea and you blend it with the person that has the experience and says, well, you know, that's not a bad idea. We can't quite do that, but here's what we could do. And that the experienced person never would have thought of that. Right. The person with no experience would have done it, and but not been quite as good if you didn't blend the two together. So I think mixing the uh, the experience with the youth is always a good thing when building a team. But the most important thing for me when I'm hiring is, is this somebody that I want to work with every day? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. You good. Know? Yeah. Who do you want to spend ten hours with? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, having a rock star that's a complete ass is not going to work for me. You know, I don't care yeah. how good your skills are. You still have to get yeah. along with everybody and you have to respect that people who don't know as much as you might come up with a really good idea or at least an idea that maybe we should try. And if it doesn't work, well, it takes two minutes to bring the camera back or undo the edit or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, um, and I'm, I'm going to get to some pieces that I always do this. I always talk far too long before we show some pieces, but, um, you know, you're in the mode now um, of what I think the future is all about. What you have told me, and I, I want you to repeat some of it. I'll just prompt you here a little bit. But you talked about you. You talked about there is no individual video anymore. It's a piece, right? It's mm -hmm. a. It's a. a mm -hmm. it, it's a piece. It's it's content. You're making Correct. content, and you're expanding Correct. on that. 
Also, the storytelling aspect. You know, back in the day, as we were talking before, you know, I, I told you, you know, I lived in a world where you made a product and made a video. Mm-hmm. And that was it. You know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, it, it, that video may even have a two-year shelf life. Now yeah. we live in the world of disposable media, which yeah. um, is, is I need something new every day. Right. I need a new story. Right. I need you to tell me again. Give right. me your ideas on those things that, that I, I just brought up because I know you have some great, uh, uh, you know, insights. Well, you know, I, we were talking earlier, you know, I, I've embarked on what, what, what's known as the content marketing strategy. And so mm-hmm. content marketing strategy, basically, so we all know what advertisement is. So you, you, you run an ad on TV, you see how that ad did, you know how much I paid for it, how many hits did I get, how many sales did I make, da, 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 da. So there's a direct correlation between I spent $10 and this is what I got back for $10. Content marketing strategy is more about using a storytelling approach across all sandboxes, not just video and not just YouTube and not just one platform is about creating storytelling across all platforms that is a much slower build, but it's a, it's a more meaningful build where you try to connect the product or the company with the audience versus you, we don't sell to the audience. We just tell a really good story and we get the audience mm-hmm. to lean in and the mm-hmm. audience wants to keep leaning in. In fact, I just created a marketing flywheel uh, the other day. I I don't even call it a funnel anymore. It's like the funnel, you start at the top and you work them in. It's like, no, you start them at this end of the wheel, you work them through, and then you just keep them in the orbit so that they never go away. Mm, and so I like it. I like that. Yeah. And so the way I approach everything now, and th- this job here, we I finally got that mindset, what I think perfected, at least for now, where we don't produce videos. I've told everybody we do not produce videos. We produce series and we produce episodes. So we have uh, a How It's Made spoof coming. We have Behind the Steel that introduces you to all the people who work at Texas Pride. Uh, We have Making an Impact, which is our community uh, aspect. We have a great series called Unhitch, where uh, we have YouTube Real, real YouTube influencers that we're collaborating with, and I sit them down for a 20-minute personal interview, and people are blown away because I don't talk about what they do on the channel. I actually talk about them and get them to open mm-hmm. up personally. And then we create episodes based on that series. Now, the biggest thing with a content marketing strategy and the biggest thing that, that people coming out of that, uh, here's a budget, here's a video, thank you very much, goodbye. You don't produce one thing from whatever it is you're doing. You have what I call the feature video. So it's an unhitched interview that runs eight minutes. And from that video, we're then going to pull two or three one or two minute snippets. And then we're going to pull some 30 second sections. And then we're going to pull 10 second sound bites. And oh, here's some segments that didn't make the interview. Well, that's going to get pulled too. So now from this one video, one episode, I've created about 15 pieces of, of, of moving content. Well, now I've got photos that I can do. I've got the transcript, so now I can pull quotes. Uh, we've got LinkedIn posts. We've got Twitter posts. I've got Instagram posts, all from the transcript of that interview. So from that one episode, we should be able to create about 20 to 30 pieces of content that can then be distributed across all platforms, that can then be revisited. In fact, we just started rerunning some stuff that I shot back in July because we have a brand new audience. Our audience has expanded. We have a lot of people who haven't seen things that were shot July, August. So we're starting to bring some of that back and even tweaking it and changing how we do it. So Mm -hmm. that's the mindset. Content marketing strategy is about a body of work. The more content you put out, the more trust that's built with the audience and the more engagement that's built built with the audience. So while it takes longer to see the ROI, once the train gets going, you have a deeply engaged audience that will, you know, walk through water for your brand. You know, they love you got the Yeti people, you know, you got your Nike mm-hmm. people, you got your sure. Apple people, you got those people that I don't care what Apple does. I am buying that next phone. And that's when you do that, you know. Yeah, Apple runs a lot of ads, but they've really connected with people. And so it's taking that docu-reality, documentary, unscripted mindset and creating authentic storytelling 
that connect with that audience that you're trying to reach, and then also trying to expand the audience out of what would be non-traditional uh, of where you are, and eventually getting those people to become your boots on the ground. They are your ambassadors for the brand. And you, you can't do that just through advertising. You have to do that through authentic storytelling, and you have to build a large body of work before it really starts to tip over. You know, anybody out there listening right now, I want you to wind it back to when Walter just started talking right now and listen, <laughs> because you are getting the God's truth right there on what to do. Okay. That is the most succinct explanation I have ever heard of what you should be doing right now. And Walter, let me ask you a question. Are you blown away at the amount of people who do not get what you have just talked about? I I don't know that I'm blown away. I I guess I'm surprised that, uh, well, well, here's the thing. So we're in a now, now, now uh, 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 world. And in fact, I had this discussion, you know, I, I'm in marketing and then we have sales and sales is like, you know, I run an ad and we, we hit these numbers, we hit these numbers. And even you know our own sales department is having a hard time wrapping their head around. Wait, you say this is going to take a year until we see the ROI, and, and this starts to right. happen. And it's like, yes, it's a slower build. But the interesting thing is, we have an, uh, at Texas Pride Trailers, we have an amazing uh, head of paid media, and looking at his analytics, uh, and we work together. It is really interesting to see the customer journey getting to the sale. He can actually see, like they they hit a paid ad and then they hit social media and then social media, then they hit another paid ad and then maybe social media and then the engagement happened. So it took five or six touch points for that person to hit. And if my mindset was, I'm going to do one video and I'm going to get that customer, that would have failed all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it took that person four or five hits in front. And, and yeah, there were two actual paid ads that popped up when he did something on the internet. But- the reinforcement to the paid ad was, oh, here's some content that I'm seeing on their social media. Okay, they're the real deal. It's not just a flashy ad. Yes. So it all works yes. hand in hand. You can't just do content marketing without doing paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, yeah, that is, that is just brilliant. Let me, let me, another quick question before, before we just, do you do a meeting, a content meeting every morning or do you have a time, uh, of the weekday that you do that? How, how do you handle pre-planning or, or knowing your direction? <laughs> well, you know, one, one of the struggles is, is trying to do enough pre-production. And that's one of the things we've actually struggled with uh, at Texas Fried Trailers because we're trying to do so much. We have so many ideas. So the way I run the team is every Monday morning, we have a full one hour meeting just to kind of set up the week. And it's kind of recapping what has happened. I'll share some new information with the team. We'll go over potentially some stories. Um, and then we kind of go around the horn, every every staff member, uh, what are you working on? What are your, do you have any headwinds? Do you have any needs? Um, so that's Monday morning. It's usually about an hour of really sharing. Uh, and then every day I'll do a huddle about a 20 minute huddle. Let's just go around the horn. What are you working on headwinds? What do you need? Just to check in. How's everybody doing? Anybody need some help with anything? Mm-hmm. In terms of pre-planning individual projects, uh, I have a wonderful production coordinator who works with me and we will kind of brainstorm on some logistical things. Uh, director of photography, he will take and, and, and pre-plan some stuff on his own. And when we can, we all come together as a team, or at least uh, the primary stakeholders will come together and have pre-production meetings on whatever it is. Because like uh, my senior editor is Mike Bruning. Uh, Some of you all may know him. He's from L.A., Uh, uh, amazing editor who's also a producer, Um, director of photography. He's also a producer. Uh, Other folks also a producer. So so we we will get together and pre-plan. But I will say – I don't like to overplan a lot of my stuff. I I really enjoy seeing where we go because I love learning new things. And so there's certain things that you have to pre-plan. Like we have a heavy industrial manufacturing place, so you kind of have to pre-plan just to be safe. Um, we don't have robots. We have a lot of people. We have welding, grinding, plasma cutters. We've got a lot of very dangerous things happening in there if you're not careful. And so we, we, we have to pre-plan those movements. But when we're outside, 
when we're doing one of our making an impact stories and we're going to meet one of these uh, giveaway winners, I don't want to overplan it. I kind of want to have a sense of what we're getting ourselves into, but I'd love to just see where this goes. And, you know, I, I've always worked with camera folks and directors of photography who just kind of get it. They always have they one eye in the eyepiece and they got the other eye looking over here, seeing what's going on. Uh -huh. Absolutely. And then it's just like, you know, you do one of these like that and suddenly, you know, everybody's like running yeah. around. So, so yeah. I, I can drive some people crazy because I don't pre-plan as much when I'm doing unscripted. When I'm doing scripted, I have everything down to the last minute completely mm -hmm. pre-plan as much as I can. So so at Texas Pride, we don't pre-plan as much as probably we should, but it keeps people on their toes. <laughs> no, I, I like that. And opening yourself up for discovery, which is, I think, a lot of times we're much too canned in our industry, yeah. you know, where we yeah. just get that one message out there and that's it. You know, look yeah. around. I, I totally, totally love your mindset. Yeah. 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 It's more fun that way. Yeah, I would say so. Tony, what <laughs> have we got in the in the uh, hopper here? What are we going to take a look at uh, of, of Walters? Oh, boy. I have way too much stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's he a big problem a for most people, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, between yeah. the companies that you've run and all of your outside stuff and your personal stuff, you have a lot of content. That's what impressed me the most. I, I like the fact that you just throw stuff out there sometimes the dog you know the crazy dog video oh my god yeah. my dog yeah with the camera test i i'm so happy we have that because she's 13 now and nobody would ever believe that that was her so yeah oh, that's, so that. that's great yeah so i mean i just i like your approach yeah. to let's just let's throw stuff out there and see you know see how people react it's great yeah i mean you want to be intentional especially you know like right now i am selling you know we're selling yeah. products that are five thousand to eighty thousand dollars so you have to be intentional about yeah. what you're doing sure. and you have to once you start to elevate a brand you don't want to drop that back down you mm -hmm. know you can do like one of the biggest argument or discussion that, that we've had is like well can we do stuff some stuff just on a gopro even though we have the black magic ursa cameras with the cinema lenses i mean we do gorgeous work it's like yeah. not everything has to have that look because if you do everything with that look well then the stuff that looks mm -hmm. awesome uh, you know, it's going to get lost. So maybe every so often we should do a GoPro or we should just do a phone video or something like that. So don't don't be mm -hmm. afraid to put the content out there, but be intentional yeah. about it. Don't do a GoPro video just for the sake of doing a GoPro video. There should yeah. be a reason why we're doing it. Yeah, and that's I was telling Bernie before the before we came on that I really love the the content that you were producing with High Road because it was just you yeah. and the camera and people, and it was just was I, I love the intimacy of it. It was a GoPro with a microphone. Um, oh. And he still got it. <laughs> there it is, ready. No, yeah, I don't have it on here, but this is it. See, this is a stick. The GoPro GoPro went right there. Somewhere there. Okay. Nope, nope, there, there. Nope. And the microphone sits right there. And this is just on a stick. So, yeah, so I would just, you know, I just shoot like that. That's all. So, yeah. Sweet. It's very, very simple. And I still love shooting that way. <laughs> it's good stuff that's great really is. all right yeah so well I, um, at high road i i was a one-man band at high road so uh, i didn't have any help at all it was just me myself and i that's perfect and you put perfect. out a lot of content here for for being there. <laughs> i did Crazy. in a very yeah. short amount of time i did <laughs> yeah um, you know there there is there let, let me just sorry. say this tony because you you mentioned something there and i know because a lot of people have had I think career issues even with this is like this guy goes, I've had a five, five, uh, a member crew, uh, all my life. Whenever I've shot anything, you expect me to go out with this GoPro and shoot something like that. I mean, yeah. I think that's a big problem in our industry for guys that are, that have been into it for a while and they've got that mindset and they're running into this, these new, new things and they, I think they almost can't adopt them just because of what the way they think it should be. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm in a very unusual situation right now where I have an owner of a company who said, look, uh, I don't want to wait five years to grow a team from six up to 12 or 14. I want to do it now. So I hired 12 people and we have a, a, a bigger team. 
but that doesn't mean that we have to film everything to that high standard. I mean, I have a three-person film crew. I've got a director of photography, videographer, sound person, um, which is a luxury to have. But that doesn't mean that everything has to look like that. Um, I, like I said, I still love shooting with the little, you know, the GoPro rig. I like the, 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 uh, the unkempt nature of, of cameras like being jiggled out or, or wiggled out. Not everything has to look perfect. And, and if you, if you are stuck in a mindset that it has to be this way or, you know, everything has to be absolutely blocked out or I, I can't handle this you know if you can't juke and jive today uh because you know the I, my father gave a presentation uh, he was a motivational speaker and what he said was if the only constant in life is change why are we so afraid of it and i have yeah. lived that mindset and it's like you have to be willing to accept change you have to be willing to accept that the way that we did things in 1990 when i first started and it cost a million bucks to set up you know, a CMX suite with D2 decks and all of that crap. Uh, look at DaVinci Resolve. And that was a million-dollar machine when I came yeah. out. And now it's now it's wow. free. You can download it. <laughs> and it's killer. And you should download it. It's amazing, mm -hmm. right? But if that upsets you, then you've got to check your ego at the door because the fact that things are cheap, the fact that a five-year-old can do what I used to do back in 1990, that's amazing, I don't care. That's awesome. And I'm going to share as much knowledge as I can to help that five-year-old turn into an amazing editor by the time they're seven. Um, you know, yeah. so if, if you can't accept the fact that things are changing, things are getting cheaper, and there's another way of doing things that you can break 180 rules. You can you can break every freaking rule out there. There is no rule that can't be broken out there. No rule. It, so. It's freeing. It's very yeah. freeing. Yes. And, and it's like, okay, I can take all this great knowledge that I have to make sure that the, that the products come out and they look amazing no matter how it's shot. I want it to look good. I want it to sound good. But beyond that, uh, I don't know. Shoot some of it on a phone. Shoot some of it on a GoPro. Let's go get yeah. really awesome NFL film shots and blend it all together. That'll be fun. Yeah. There's, a nope. flip side. Yeah, awesome. there's a flip side to content creation now is I think uh, – you know, you have that group of people that, you know, are sort of as unwilling to change, but then you have this whole slew of people who just, who are too afraid to start because they, they, everything has to be perfect. You know, I, I want my stuff to look yeah, like I, all that other stuff out there and like, well, no, yeah. just do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I'm afraid somebody's going to see my stuff and they're going to know it with me. And oh my God, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have fun yeah, with it. Embrace it. We are in a very uh, – oh, move my head. Now you see my backlight. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I, I see. Though. Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake right there. I, no, no, I got to work the tele. Yeah, yeah, that's – you don't need one, Walter. You don't need – at my age, I need one. Um, you, know, you know, that is one of the things. We are so self conscious in this business too. I don't know how many guys say, oh, I don't want anybody to think I did that wrong. You know. I look. I've done wrong things almost my entire career. Some mm. some worked, some didn't. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I made mistakes that I should never have made. They yeah. worked out well. I, I mean, here's the oh. thing: if you're waiting for somebody to think you're perfect in this business, get into another business because it will right. never happen. You know what right. I mean? The people right. that are rewarded in our business, and Walter, I know you'll agree with this 100 percent are the people that take chances. And if you take chances, you are going to fail quite often. Oh, yeah. And spectacularly, may I add. Yes. Yes. Know. Yes. I mean, Bernie, how many times, and I'm sure this has happened to you, how many times has somebody said, no, there's absolutely no way you can do that. And your response is, well, I, I've been doing it for like the past week over here on this set and it's working just fine. So what do you mean I can't do that? You know, when I, when I was working on good eats, uh, they were cutting on avid. And of course here I am with final cut pro and AJ Kona board. And they're like, well, that'll never work for the food network on HD because we're just going HD. And it's like, well, uh, I'm delivering the show. It's the number one show on the network. And they don't seem to know that it's being cut on final cut pro. I don't think they care. And I deliver 66 episodes. Of good yeah. eat on Final Cut Pro. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be doing that, but I did. 
So yeah, yeah. It's just so yeah. funny how you can't you can't do it with a GoPro. Well, um, I'm yeah. doing it, and I'm doing it in 4K. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Take the chance, be brave, make the mistake, don't be afraid to fail. You know, and that is something I so wished I would have learned in my younger years. You know yeah. what I mean? I was so, so afraid of, of you know, looking stupid or not knowing what mm -hmm. I was doing. You right. know, uh, right. that really did hold me back. You know, I think by the time right. I actually got into this business, and I was, I won't say it, Tony. I was a $40 a day PA. I'll tell you that, Walt. <laughs> but Tony, Tony hears that every show. Every but, but, show. You know, I had already <laughs> failed a couple times in life, right? Sure. So I sure. had nothing to lose. I had zero to lose at that moment, you know? Yeah. And I'm uh, wondering that, that people saving I know grace. In, in my college class is actually doing what I went to school for. <laughs> How weird is that? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That is weird. You're going to fail. You're going to yeah. fail. Hey, I, I have failed more than I've succeeded. Um, you know, I, I, if you were to talk to any of my staff today, they'll tell you that I'm a very different person at work. I'm actually rather intense um, because I know there's a lot of pressure on yeah. me to deliver. And I can yeah. ride my team hard. I, 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 I treat my team fairly, but I will ride them hard because I expect them to put their best foot forward every day. If you make mistakes, that's that's fine, but let's make sure we don't repeat them. Let's make sure, because yes. we're representing a brand. Right. You know, when we make a mistake, it reflects back on the brand and it reflects back on the owner of the company. So we need to do our best. Um, but at the same time, you have to be willing to take a chance. You have to be willing to let people do things. I have a, 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 one of my staff members, she, uh, she's right out of college and she happens to speak Spanish. She's the only person on our team that can speak Spanish. And we're doing this behind the steel series, interviewing uh, our employees. And one of the employees, he was very stilted in English. Now she's fresh mm. out of college. And I said, you know what? You speak Spanish. Let's work on a list of questions. I want you to go do the interview. I'm not even going to be there. You're just going to do it yourself. And yeah. she did. She came back a couple of days ago. She's like, oh, my God, it was amazing. We just had this long discussion and he was great on camera. And then we went and he showed us how he does his thing, you know, how he does what he does. She's fresh out of college. Now, how many production companies would say, hey, you, you're right out of college. Why don't you go do the interview on this new series that we're doing? Yeah, no, not, awesome. not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, no. no. And that's what and I felt so good. Taking the chance, taking the chance and doing it and winning, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so Tony it didn't we, work. So what? Yeah. Yes. Tony, we got to show some video. We're, I know. We're geez, we're already 45. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I warned him. I, I sent Walter an email. I, I said, look, there half the time we don't get to the stuff we, we set up. That's so. okay. That's okay. I'm having a good time. <laughs> and, this is fun. Every, every single show. I tell myself the same thing just before we start 10 minutes of talk, get into the video. Of course we're here at, yeah. at what? You're 245. talking to an Italian here. We don't shut up, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was your first problem. Oh, there we go. There we go. Well, we um, I have the we have a the Texas the Texas Pride behind the steel. We have an episode of that. That's oh I yeah. To show that. So maybe uh, set it up real quick, Walter. I think this is uh, Juan and David. So um, yes. the cool thing about Texas Pride Trailers is that it's an old school manufacturing place, not a single robot anywhere. It's not pretty. It's gritty and dirty. And so Juan and David build two car haulers. Two guys will build one trailer in one day in about eight hours. And uh, Juan and David were featured in this behind the steel. Cool. Well, and Eric Great. Addison, I know you're watching. Thanks, buddy. We'll get to your yeah. question. I, I promise we'll yeah. get to your question. Yes, right, yes, Eric. Video. Love Eric. <laughs> yep. And then it didn't work. Hang on. Oh, <laughs> <there we> <laughs> Live TV. Woo. All right, here Woo. we go. <laughs> I was a ranch hand before. I used to work in the ranch. You know, when I turned 18, you know, I want a real job. I was in West Texas, in the pipeline in West Texas. I was gone all the time, so this was a good place to be home. Good job to have, make good money. I'm home every night, so that's why I came here.
My brother taught me how to weld, and I started learning how to build small trailers. I've been doing it for three years, you know, I love it. I've been building since I was a kid. My grandpa taught me how to weld when I was young. Something natural to me, I feel like I'm really good at. I've just been doing it my whole life. It's different every day. You know, the same thing every day. You know, that's what I like about it. You don't get bored of it. Too far, you start from the frame from a 3x8, and underneath is a 2x3. You got cross members at 3x8 too, at every 8 foot. We build it, make sure our welds are on point, so when it's painted, there's no blemishes or anything like that. He keeps me in line and everything. Good guy, good partner. From day one, we just click. He's young, so he can move fast. He can pick up heavy things. I mean, he's quick. He's a good learner, quick learner. It's rewarding when you take pride in my work. Seeing a trailer roll out, build another one. Walter, that was awesome, dude. That was That's great. Fun. That's great. Let me ask you this. What does it take uh, to produce a piece like that, time-wise? Like so, shooting it, editing it, putting it in the finishing touches? Sure. So with Juan and David, we had already met them in a previous piece, so we kind of knew what how, how they how they work. Uh, that, that was one day of filming. They, they start at 3 in the morning. Uh, Juan and David will literally start with one piece of steel at three in the morning and then at three in the afternoon, that's that finished trailer rolling out. And so the team was with them for the entire 12 hours. Uh, what they did was they shot like two, maybe, maybe they spent about two hours with them. They'd take a break. They'd come back, shoot about another hour and a half, two hours. Um, we knew about when milestones would happen just by asking Juan and David, hey, when are you going to put this part on? When is it going to be at this point? When's it going to roll out? So it was probably... A, about six and a half hours of actual filming. Uh, we mm -hmm. shoot with the Blackmagic Ursa 4.6K uh, G2 minis. We have the Sig Sigma uh, was a 15 to 35 and a 50 to 100 cinema zoom lenses. And we're shooting everything Blackmagic raw. Uh, the slow motion's all done in 90 and the regular's done in 2398. So it, that, that particular story was about six hours with them of actual film time, 12 hours on set. And then the editing for that, I want to say Mike probably put in about 50, 55 hours of editing time. Um, what we'll do is we'll ingest everything and then immediately we use Otter AI for transcripts. We'll just throw it up to Otter so we immediately get the transcript of everything they said. So Mike has that. And uh, yeah, Mike, Mike probably turned that around in about 50 hours of editing time. So 50 hours of editing time represents how many how many days for him is that uh, four days or uh, five days or, or? It, it, it's uh it, it, i mean he generally works an eight to nine hour day so uh, you know probably six six maybe into seven days of you know time um and then either he or one of the other editors will go ahead and start pulling all the breakouts and the sound bites and there were fun moments that weren't in that uh juan especially is, is a cut up he's so funny um mm -hmm. so Cool thing about DaVinci Resolve it has this collaboration feature. So while Mike has the project open, another editor can jump right into that project and start creating other timelines. Or oh, Mike great. can create another timeline, like with a bunch of social clips, and then that editor jumps in and starts grabbing stuff. Um, so, yeah. So from that piece, I want to say 
we got like eight additional pieces of video content, plus we pulled some stills for photos and whatnot. So probably about 20 pieces of content, maybe 22 pieces of content between social posts and video were created from that. Wow. And then what is your selection process on where that excess uh, extra content goes? Do you Are you specifically saying, hey, I'm going to cut two pieces for Facebook, I'm going to do three for Instagram, I'm going to do some YouTube stuff. How does that, do you have a formula there or how does that work? No, it's generally a collaboration uh, with our social. We have a wonderful social media and influencer manager, Jackie. She's absolutely amazing. And our audience growth is very much directly attributed back to her and her engagement. We have a very interesting engagement uh, strategy. Um, but first, first to your question, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. We, we have certain content that certain types of content that go on Facebook, certain types of content go on Twitter, certain types of content go on LinkedIn. Um, and so, you know, educational content, storytelling, whatnot. So depending on what type of content we end up getting out of the piece, that kind of dictates where stuff goes. And then the other thing we try to do, too, is we try to make sure that the, the uh, uh, video is optimized for that platform. So Instagram likes Square, so we'll make Square video. Uh, Facebook actually likes Square video for mobile. So we'll make sure that it's not just all horizontal, just because horizontal is the easiest thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. Because we edited it in horizontal. We'll go ahead and reframe. Um, and I actually noticed DaVinci Resolve 17 does auto reframing for you, which is actually oh, kind of wow. cool. Yeah. Um, but one of our engagement strategies that we started which I, I find interesting and I don't see a lot of people doing, we as a company, Texas Pride Trailers, we go out and we find conversations to participate in. We don't just have our own feeds, post stuff, wait for people to come in and, and engage. I instructed Jackie to go out and find YouTube channels. And wow, here's some interesting content. Has Maybe, maybe it has something to do with a trailer. Maybe it doesn't, but it's really cool content. Let's start playing in other, let's go out on Instagram. Let's find discussions to participate in. As a company, don't try to sell anything. Just participate as a fan. We really like what you're doing. This is cool. And that has actually started to pay a little bit of dividends. I don't see a lot of companies that just go outside their realm just because. You know, let's go see what other people are doing, you know. There's a whole audience of farmers. You know, it's a huge agriculture community that uses trailers and flatbed trailers. And let's just go see sure. what they're doing. And if there's yeah. an interesting conversation that we can participate in, let's go participate in a conversation. But don't try to sell anything. Right. Walter, um, I think you are so dead on on that fact. You know, I mean – I try to do it. This is why I think individuals are usually good at social media and companies suck in, in general, <laughs> because it, it, it is always about the response that you get, or should I be doing this? Is this worth my time paying somebody right. for where you and I know in organically, right? How people are going to respond when we drop in to a, a right. feed. And we, right. we participate. We like this. Right. We're, we're encouraging right. something like that. You know, it is a whole different dynamic that you actually take on more authority and more goodwill. You know what I mean? By just yeah. participating, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And that, and that, that is, that is so such important. a great point. Well, and you have to have a dedicated person. You know, uh, I, so many companies, yeah, our graphic artist is also the editor and they're also the social media guy. And that mm -hmm. just means that they post mm -hmm. stuff. Well, uh, posting yeah. stuff is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but as a company, just posting stuff is useless. You have yeah. to engage. If you don't engage, then it's just yeah. we're going to post this up here. I really hope you like it and talk amongst yourselves. I don't want to get involved. But yeah. if you actually, why can't a company be like a person? Why can't a company go out and go, dang man? You took that car down the drag strip. That is the most badass thing I've ever seen. Why can't we do that? We yeah. can. We are. Yeah. You know, it's like, dang it, dude, man, look what you're doing. And now mm -hmm. Texas Pride trailers start popping up in all these conversations. And the people who follow the same channels that we're following are like, huh, these guys are kind of cool. They're like, oh, interested check them in out. what we're interested in. Maybe I should go check them out. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. It takes you know, a little longer so that cool. way. And I can't show yeah. an ROI for Jackie going around and participating in conversation, but we right. can look back and go, gee, Jackie started doing that in October. Here we are in August. There's a whole bunch more sales that came through social. And I bet at least 10% of those came just because she's been participating in all these conversations just to say hi. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, yeah. that's, you're so dead on. It's, 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 that's a good point. Another point I want people to get <laughs> in here when they're working for companies or even themselves, that's what you have to do. And I know even I get too strategic about it. You know, even I who have fun every day posting my pictures, you know, yeah. and I, 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 I like, I, I like do this. I go, sometimes I go, Oh, I can't. No, that's too stupid. That's too stupid. Oh, of course, that'll be the one that gets 500 hits. Sure. You know what I mean? The sure. one that I think is, is, oh, I'm trying to present for myself instead of right. for my audience, you know? Yeah. Right. And, uh, th that's, it's always the same mistake when you do it. So thank you for saying yeah. that. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, I, I want to get to Eric. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, Go ahead. I was, uh, I wanted to get to Eric's question before we get too late. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, sure. Eric Addison, friend of the show, who's been on the show. Who I know very well. Been on the show. An amazing yeah. videographer. Yep. How, yes, how has COVID impacted your production oh. process? So one of the big things that we really, so, uh, Texas Pride Trailers touches so many industries, agriculture, construction, uh, transportation, automotive, emergency services. I, I, I consider it the backbone of america you know you see these trailers constantly just going back and forth taking stuff hauling stuff it's the stuff that keeps america running right there's a there's a real sense of americana to what we do and what covid has really done it meant we're not traveling there's so many stories around the country that i am dying to tell and you know as well as anybody else customer stories authentic customer stories sell far more than any ads you will ever buy. And I and I'm and these people are very passionate about what they do. They love the product. And so I really want to start getting the customer voice in what we do. And so COVID really made us rethink that because I'm not going to risk sending my crew out to go even with the best of intentions, we can do everything right, but the you know where we're going may not necessarily or along the way may not. And so what COVID has done, first of all, you know, it did make it a challenge to hire the team. I mean, here I am trying to hire a team of 12 people and they all have to come to Texas and work with us. And certain, you know, certain people just didn't want to do that. Total respect for that. It's like, if you don't mm -hmm. want to come, then don't come because you got to be comfortable. Um, so in the office, you know, we're all masked up. But what it did was it made us now focus on the company and the people. So, so we are now really concentrating hard on showcasing the fact that we are handcrafted, American-made, we're dirty, we're gritty, we're embracing that, and we're figuring out ways to tell our story internally since we can't run around the country. As soon as all of this breaks, we're really hoping to start going out into the country and really start telling some, some great stories. So thank you, Eric. And if you people need an amazing DP in the San Diego area, Eric Addison is the man. Eric Addison is the man. Absolutely. He's, awesome. He's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. Uh, Walter, you just tell us what you want to tell us about getting a hold of you. How do people get a hold of you? Where do they follow oh. you? Where do they learn from you? You go, uh, I have a website called WalterBiscardi.com. Wow. I was actually able to get that. Nobody else had it. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn <laughs> for sure. I'm on Twitter as Walter Biscardi. I am on YouTube. I have a channel called Where's Walter TV, which is my travel and, uh, and drink and cruise channel. Uh, where else am I? I'm on Instagram, Walter Biscardi. And, um, yeah, you can actually contact me through the website. You can contact me through LinkedIn. Um, yeah, that's, that's how, and Texas pride .com is the company, uh, website, or if you really want to see what we've been working on the Texas pride trailers channel on YouTube, anything since June has pretty much been uh, my new team, what we've been creating. And we'll get these links up in the, Great. after the show. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
yeah. Well, you know, hey, I'm always happy to share knowledge. You know what? You're you're definitely coming back. That's for sure. If you'll have (laughs) us, so you know. uh, I'm gonna uh, have a cocktail next time. Damn it! I'm gonna have a cocktail. Yeah, you should you should be out by the pool in your sunglasses having a nice cocktail. You know, I'm gonna have to get an inflatable pool just for the next show. (laughs) Please, please, that's the look we're going for here. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Awesome. Awesome. You know, I cannot thank you enough, Walter, sincerely. And, and, and uh, you know, we'll be catching back up on LinkedIn uh, as well. But, but really appreciate your time today, your knowledge. You have an absolute open invitation anytime you want to talk <laughs> about any subject to come back and join us. Thank you. Because uh, I really, really love what you're doing, man. Thank you, Bernie. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with your audience. Thank you. Thank you. And um, with that, Tony, I guess it's time to say fond farewells. Yep. Yep. Time to stick a fork in it. (laughs) All right. Very good. Walter, thank you again, buddy. Really appreciate it. Tony, great job. And we'll see all of you out there next Friday at 2 o'clock. Bye, everyone. That's a wrap.